Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a selfless big play so far. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. Yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young men play against and make his ass win. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. I- Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We know we're a little late dropping this uh, show this week and this is Dave riding solo. So we're going to see if we can't uh, pump out uh, a quick show uh, wrapping up the Alabama performance uh, against the Citadel. You know, on one hand, I'll look at it and say, hey, Alabama cranked out 40 points and a half. So everything's okay, right? And uh, the reality is we did that in the second half rather than the first half, which had us all sort of scratching our heads and wondering what was happening. I think most of that will unpack when we get to the defense. It's really their style of play. Uh, I think this is a 100 percent an anomaly. And so while there are some things to take from this game, not there's not a lot or there's not a lot that we can extrapolate, you know, forward, uh, if you would. The offense was super efficient uh, in 23, uh, just under 24 minutes of time of possession. You know, Alabama cranked out 561 yards, uh, had two turnovers. So there was some sloppiness there, but uh, 371 yards passing, 190 yards uh, rushing, 50 points uh, worth of offense. I think there's a lot there to look at. Uh, and be uh, and be pleased with. Uh, Alabama was three of five on third downs, and so it's great to have sort of a, a I guess a sixty percent uh, run on third down conversions. Uh, but to think that we only needed uh, that we only achieved uh, third down five times uh, in putting up fifty points is is in itself uh, speaks to a level uh, level of efficiency there. So I think there's a lot there uh, to really be pleased with. Uh, Tua, for all the angst, is he going to play? Should he play? How long will he play? All of those questions. If you didn't know he was injured, then you wouldn't know uh, that he was injured. If you just kind of tuned in and had not been watching through the season, uh, then you you wouldn't notice. You wouldn't pick up on it. Uh, if you did know, you would say, well, what's all the fuss over? Because this guy clearly looks, looks healthy. So uh, whether he is or not, I think we sort of hang by our position that we're going to hear something in the offseason about that. But he certainly looked crisp. Uh, he looked clean. I think he missed a couple early passes, uh, and I'll discount those sort of getting into the flow of the game. But he ended up 18 of 22, uh, which is 
uber efficient. Uh, he had three, four, 340 yards himself passing with uh, with three touchdowns. And to top it off, and I sort of winced every time he did it, but he had 37 yards uh, rushing, uh, including a touchdown. And never did he slide. To me, that was telling. I don't know if if he felt sort of strong and robust enough that he didn't feel the need to slide, or was it the slide that sort of tweaks the knee in a way that, that bugs him? And so was he avoiding the slide? That I don't know. But um, the fact that he went out there and looked super efficient, super crisp, uh, throwing the ball and running, he looked really healthy. That is, if we were going to see him on Saturday, then we could not have seen a better version of him. He looked uh, in, in, to be in sort of early season form, which uh, is dangerous for upcoming appoint, uh, opponents. So hopefully hopefully that stands and that's the version of Tua that we get moving forward. I was incredibly imp- impressed with Jalen. Uh, he wasn't out there long, but when he was out there, now you could tell that he was not up to full strength running, but the fact that he went three for four passing and his touchdown to Smitty was almost the mother of necessity uh, type situation. He went to uh, to roll out. And I think that I think that he quickly realized I'm not going to beat anyone running. I'm not going to get to the edge. And and in knowing that he continued to survey the field and he was doing that in a way that last year we did not see where he would he would roll out and he would be gone last year this time. He was rolling out, and I think it was part injury, it's part Danny knows, it's part his evolution as a quarterback. But as he was rolling, he continued to, to look downfield, scan downfield, and he found Smitty and just threw a rocket that uh, that we converted to a touchdown. So I like seeing that version of Jalen, and I like the quarterback situation uh, starting to come back together like it was early in the season where Tua was in form. Jalen was demonstration, uh, demonstrating progression on on his part. So nothing against Mac Jones, but I like those two guys at the top. Uh, there's there's a reason they're one and two, and sort of duked it out for that one spot. Uh, I'm glad that to see them sort of rounding back into form. You know, Alabama only had 23 rushing yards, and I think that's a function of time of possession. I think if I think if we had scored the 40 in the first half then we would have seen a lot more Alabama ground game in the second half. The fact that it was sort of inverted, uh, I think that impacted uh, the rushing totals. Um, Damian looked really strong. Uh, of course, he had an injury, and, uh, and, and reports are a mild concussion. Uh, I don't have the latest greatest, uh, but um, you guys are, are certainly keeping up with that. And so uh, I look for him to play against Auburn, but maybe not a lot, which that's fine because I'm comfortable with – Najee and Josh and and uh, Brian Robinson, and we'll talk about him in a minute as well. Uh, a couple other points or a couple other players that I'll sort of call out. Uh, Jerry Judy, um, you know, I, after he had the fumble, uh, his ball, you could visibly tell his ball security and his concentrating on securing the ball uh, was, uh, was, was sort of leveled up and that's good to see. That's, that speaks to him being him, him learning, being adaptable, being coachable that, um, immediately his next possession, you could see him cradle the ball. And so I like to see players sort of demonstrate that. And so that was, 
sort of a microcosm or, or at least at, at a micro level, uh, you know, the, the, the demonstration of uh, performance by a player and, and, and improvement by a player. So that was that was certainly good to see. And I, I'll call out the uh, the Citadel defenders there. That was not an athletic play necessarily creating that fumble. That was that was pure effort. And that's how they hung in the game. We out athlete them. We out, uh, you know, skill set them. But their just diligence in applying effort and laying it all on the field, and that's what got them. Uh, their style of play certainly contributes as well. But that style of play um, sort of levels the playing field if, uh, field, if you will, and so lesser talent can compete with higher talent given that that level of uh, that that uh, that that schematic on offense. But you still have to go out there and effort. You still have to go out there and put it out there. And so even though they weren't as talented, they put all of their effort. Uh, on the field. And so hats off to them. And the the fumble that Jerry Judy had was certainly a representation of that, a, re, a, a defender that, you know, had, had, you know, gotten beat or who was away from the catch came back. Uh, and as Judy was, you know, doing his juke moves, uh, had an opportunity to bat the ball away. So that's the type of effort that we like to see from the Alabama players. And you got to call it out uh, when you, when you see it, the type, that type of effort from uh, a competitor as well. But you know, again, Jerry Judy securing the ball better uh, on subsequent possessions was fun to watch. You know, Jalen Waddle truly emergent as a weapon. We've seen this progression over the course of the season. Uh, I think there was uh, an article I saw where he ha- he now is in uh, uh, second place, second position uh, in terms of uh, being a target on third downs. We didn't have many third downs on this, but I think that the number of times that we went to Jalen, the fact that he had two touchdowns on this game, uh, truly an emerging weapon, truly being used more on third down. We've got a lot, you know, a couple more years of, of seeing him him contribute uh, more and more. And uh, he's certainly going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, Henry Ruggs, just man, he's fast. <laughs> I like his play as wide receiver. And uh, and a couple of times he caught the ball and was just just incredibly fast uh, streaking down the field. So he is fun to watch. A couple of times it seemed that he was just a step away from from just breaking it and just the convergence and the angle. Um, and again, the effort by the defenders uh, brought him down. But uh, boy, he he is definitely a a field shifter and uh, and a powerful weapon. Uh, and then one other player I want to call out on uh, before we go to mini game ball is Irv Smith. Uh, you know, he only had one catch, but boy, it was a big one. And um, you know, I've been <clears throat> I've sort of fallen into the habit of saying you know Irv Smith doing Irv Smith things, but it <laughs> you know it's never not true. And every week it sort of builds uh, upon itself. And I'll say this, and I'll have to revisit this when uh, when we get Tom on the line. But uh, a week or so ago, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, hey, where does Ir- Irv Smith sort of rank in the pantheon of of tight ends in in sort of the podcast era, if you will, if if we can if we can call it that. And uh, and and Tom put him at three behind Michael Williams and um, and O.J. Howard. And I get the thinking there. You know, when we started the podcast, Travis McCall and Nick Walker were the tight ends. And, you know, one was the receiver and one was the blocker. And Michael Williams was sort of a, uh, a revelation because he embodied both. Uh, he was uh, a powerful blocker. In fact, went to the NFL 
and uh, was moved to tackle. So that speaks to his ability as a blocker. Uh, but he certainly has some big catches, big receptions um, as a tight end as well. I remember uh, a catch that he made uh, at Penn State and just the window that that ball was threaded in, and he caught it. I was convinced it wasn't a reception, but you know he stood up and held up the ball. He had uh, he had certainly caught that ball, and so he w- he was a talent. Um, yeah, he's like the first, right? He's like your first, and so you remember your first in 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 a, in a, in a particular way. Um, you know, OJ Howard is OJ Howard was just raw, sexy potential, and there were moments where he lived up to it, but um, it wasn't. You didn't get to experience that potential game after game after game. Um, but his potential was just off the shelf. See, I mean, he was a smoke show talent wise. We just didn't always incorporate him into the offense as as we as fans would have certainly hoped. Irv Smith is is the blending of that. He's a bigger guy. Uh, he can improve his blocking, but he's a big guy. He can block um, and is in his productivity. You know, athlete, you know, athlete to athlete. Uh, if they were running, you know, an obstacle course, OJ Howard's gonna is gonna is gonna win that. But when you just put up the production, the production, the production, the production, you can't beat Irv Smith. Um, and you could say OJ Howard was ahead of his time because he had, maybe if he had been with this version of the offense, we would have seen more. All of that is is conjecture. But uh, I sort of net out where Irv Smith starts to starts to creep up the list, and I'm not sure if he's not my favorite sort of tight end of <clears throat> of this era. Uh, based on his production, um, he can block. He's a big guy. He can get down the field. He finds the open, uh, the open places. He can beat a defender. He can make very athletic catches, and then he can make very athletic moves with the ball uh, once he has it. And and he certainly has an eye and a vision uh, for the goal line. Uh, when he caught that ball, he he turned turned around, made just an incredible move on uh, a poor defender, and he had his in mind, had in his mind that he was racing to the end zone. And 68 yards, you know, later he uh, he definitely had that. So you know, maybe blasphemy in some courts, but Irv Smith, I think, is uh, is emerging as is my favorite tight end of 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 this era. So maybe Tommy and I will sort of bout that back uh, back and forth in a. Um, the subsequent show. Uh, wrapping up on offense, let me give you some mini game balls and sort of in honor of, of Tommy not being uh, available today. Uh, as we record, uh, I'm going to sort of give sort of a traditional uh, mini game ball call out and I'm going to give sort of a, an anti or sort of break the mini game ball as, as Tommy likes to do. So I'm going to give two. I'm going to go Brian Robinson. Man, he has carved out quite a role as sort of that late game, run out the clock, four minute back, and which which his talent is so much better than that. It's so much greater than that. And when he truly has uh, an opportunity in the rotation, I think a lot of folks are going to be surprised. We've had this guy on the roster. It's almost like when we had Eddie Lacy behind Trent and Mark Ingram, it was like, yeah, we've got these two studs and the third guy's not bad either. Brian Robinson's going to be that guy. And, and, you know, it was subsequent to that when Eddie Lacy was the lead back and you thought this guy's been around all of this time. And you think of back when he dominated, you know, against Notre Dame and, and against Georgia uh, and against other, other teams, you think this is, this guy has been on the roster all this time. Gosh. And Brian Robinson is, is definitely going to be that guy. So I'm giving him a shout out for not only just his role as continues to, to progress and compete and play in that role and uh, I was just so very pleased to see him get a touchdown on Saturday. I know it was late in a game where we were ahead, but uh, getting to 50 um, 
getting to 50 sort of psychologically does something for, uh, you know, for the score and for the uh, everyone that looks at, you know, Alabama was 10, 10 at half. And then, oh, they hung 40, you know, something about that round number getting to 50. Uh, so it was a big touchdown, I think, uh, from that standpoint. And I'm just proud of the kid for all his hard work and effort. Uh, he's got this small little niche role that he's playing right now. And um, I'm glad that he was rewarded with a touchdown because so many times um, I, I think it's almost as if we tell him not to score. And so uh, definitely pleased with that. I'm going negative uh, or sort of like a, a, a negative game ball, if you will. And I'm giving it to the grounds crew. Uh, man, that was a, a slick track. Uh, we had quite a number of players that slipped. And uh, and I think there was there were yards left on the field uh, due to players uh, sort of slipping and sliding. Um, I know we got a lot of rain in Tuscaloosa leading up to that to that uh, that that game, but those fields are sort of designed to drain and pull away water um, and to sort of self dry. and And I would have expected um, I would have expected a, a better performance, you know, truly by the turf, by the by the field, uh, less slippage there. Uh, I'm hoping they get they get it, uh, and it started to just look bad on television. So I'm hoping. Uh, uh, hoping they have that set up ready to go for uh, this uh, upcoming uh, Auburn game. I know three games in a row can can sort of wreck havoc on a field, but um, man, they only play once a week, and um, there's guys uh, there's guys whose job it is to to make sure the field's ready to go. And uh, I think they could have I think um, think they could have done a little bit better. And uh, hopefully this next week the the field does look better. <clears throat> Let's flip uh, flip over to the, to uh, defense. And I think there's a lot of good things to say uh, about the uh, about the defense, even even despite, you know, allowing 17 and, and having a 10-10 a uh, half, you know, 275 yards um, rushing. All of their yards were rushing. Uh, they only attempted two passes and uh, they were woefully uh, incomplete. So uh, that's a lot of yards um, to to allow. I know it sort of messes with our numbers and our rate, you know, sort of ratings. But uh, I think on on the on the all in all on the by and large, I'm I'm pretty pleased uh, with the defensive performance. Uh, most of the yards uh, that Citadel accrued were in the first half. And look, we were just sluggish. Uh, we talked about this a little bit uh, inefficiency early with the offense. Um, I think same with the defense. I think the the option um, if we never play an option team again. Uh, that'll be too soon, but I think the uh, the nature of the option, the moving point of attack, sort of the grinded out type of of offense, the cut blockings, uh, the cut blocks. I think that gets in the head of the defensive lineman uh, that they could be cut from you know odd angles or different angles on any given play. Um, in fact, we rotated a lot of defensive linemen. Uh, in the game for expressly that reason. Johnny Dwight was in there on the first series. Uh, not a knock on Johnny, but, you know, you pick out players that you know are in the rotation but further down in the rotation, and then you kind of watch when they come in. And that's an indication, hey, is someone hurt? Are we doing something different? And so you look for little cues like that uh, when you watch closely enough. And so I pick on, to me, Johnny Dwight's one of those guys. When I see him in the game, then I sort of ask myself, why Why is he in the game? What part of the game are we at, and why is he in the game? When I see him on the first drive, I think, who's hurt? Or I think, we've got this cut-blocking team. We're going to get more guys in. We're going to try to, to try to rotate you know, players in so that if something does happen, uh, you know, 
there's there's less snaps, right? There's less snaps that Quinnen is getting or Roquan is getting or our bugs. Um, and so there's a little bit of rotation there. And we saw that early Fildarian Mathis was in there. Um, and he's been getting in more and more earlier in the game, but he was in there early. Uh, we saw, uh, I would say, more LeBron Ray than than we have been. And I like him uh, as a as a player. And so I'm I like all three of those guys as players. But uh, we saw more. We saw more of a six man rotation uh, across the front than uh, probably we have at any point this season. That wasn't that wasn't you know already a blowout. And all of those guys played in the first couple of drives. So it was. That was game plan. That wasn't score. That was that was pure game plan, um, and that's good to see. You know that uh, that we trust uh, to put them in there. But I think that I think the defense settled down. I think uh, I think that <clears throat> and coach, you know, said you know uh, in his in his post game, hey, that's a team full of players that probably none of them could could make our roster. None of them could make our two deep. None of them really could contribute for our team. And uh, and we're not blowing them out. And I think that's a challenge. That's uh, sort of a manhood challenge, if you will, to the players, uh, sort of the, that base element that that you carry out on on the football field to compete with. I think that was that was a challenge. I think the, the there were certainly adjustments. And then in the second half, the defense really rose to the occasion. And so in terms of everyone saying, well, Alabama's never been challenged, well, there was a little bit of a challenge. And, and, and it was sort of a lightweight because it was Citadel. But there was. Uh, going into half and having to sort of reevaluate what am I taking out onto the field? How do I ramp this up? How do I play without sort of the baggage that I might have carried into this game? Maybe I was taking them light. Maybe I wasn't taking this game serious. Maybe I'm overly concerned about getting hurt. How do I take those things, set them aside, and just go out and compete and play to a standard, not worry about the scoreboard? And, um, and I think that's what the defense did. So I was pleased to see that. I may be sort of rare and unique and and taking that sort of uh, that sort of tone in in my evaluation. But that's really what uh, what I saw. You know, the team settled down, especially the defense uh, settled down in the second half and really started to kick some ass. And that's that's what we want to see. That's what um, that's what we needed to see. I did want to talk about the outside pitch and um, Citadel only ran that seemed like a handful of times, and they had two nice runs as a result of that both sort of mid 40 yard uh runs and <clears throat> not knowing exactly what the defensive scheme uh and not knowing exactly what everyone's responsibility uh is here's kind of what what I saw on those plays the the first the first run it 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 did clearly look like Savion Smith was was out of place uh they had not pitched outside a whole lot and so what that tends to do is sort of cause that defender to, to suck up. And so where the corner has the outside pitch man, maintain the outside pitch man. That is your responsibility. If they run it inside, then you can pursue, but don't give up on the pitch man. Well, Savion, I think, was sort of baited in. That's the nature of these types of, of offenses. Savion was baited in, and it gave a step to uh, a couple of steps to the uh, the outside uh uh, pitch uh, option man, and when when he got the ball, he was gone. Savion was was on his heels, turned around. Uh, Mac Jones gave a uh, or Mac Wilson gave um, you know a valiant effort to to sort of chase him down, and you know sort of clipped his footies as he was crossing the goal line. But that was uh, you know that was a touchdown there. The second option, and it looked similar. Uh, the the uh, it was an out, outside pitch, and so it looked like a, a similar play. The difference, and here's here's a, a nuance, because you started to watch. If you would watch, 
subsequent to uh, the touch, the initial touchdown, Savion started to play outside. He was staying outside. He was maintaining, you know, his uh, his position and covering covering the option man. On the second long run, they had a receiver out there, and so Savion's initial responsibility or primary responsibility shifted to the receiver, not the outside pitch man, but the receiver. And so the receiver ran off and that took Savion out of the play. And I think, and again, this is where I get into more, not expressly knowing everyone's responsibility, but just watching the reaction of the players. It very much looked like uh, Keaton Anderson was the player uh, out of sorts on that. And so that, that, uh, that he should have had the outside pitch man. And uh, that's what it looked like there. And so it looked like if you just kind of watch it, bang, bang, it looked like the same play twice. Um, and it was, but the formation was different and the formation makes how we defend it different. And so it wasn't Savion getting beat twice. He got beat once. And uh, I think uh, Keaton Anderson got beat the second time. So that was, that was sort of a nuanced sort of thing. And, and again, sort of hats off to the Citadel where they knew, Hey, we've got this outside option. Uh, we're not running it a lot today, but we've got it. And um, we're going to uh, attack that that side again, but we're going to do it with a twist. And that twist is going to change up the responsibility uh, of, of the, of the defenders. And so I like the little subtle nuances there that, uh, and again, kudos for them for recognizing that and taking advantage of that and doing that, that kind of at the right place, you know, in a ball game. So uh, hats off there. And for, and for Jennings, Jennings, if we gave a most, we give a mini game ball, if we gave like, a maxi game ball or, you know, best player, MVP, whatever. Anthony Jennings had a day, um, just a good day all around. 11 total tackles, but, uh, you know, a fumble recovery. He was very active. He seemed to be one of the first players in my mind. And I think early in the game, he he was out of position once. Uh, he sort of collapsed on the end, and there was a, a pitch that went outside of him. Um, I think he was one of the first defenders that that you could sort of get through the TV screen one of the first defenders that sort of flipped his switch and said, okay, so we're on today. Uh, wish he had done that before the game, but he, he seemed to be the, one of the first players on the field. You could just see his intensity um, uh, ramp up. And so I'm glad that the other defenders followed his lead there. Quinn, and we've got, you know, the big uh, <laughs> cue ball and the cue report and queued up and, and the big boy baller. Um, all, all, you know, continue to be true. Uh, he had six, uh, tackles on the day. He's one of the guys that we were rotating in and out and uh, appropriately. So they got a really stinky, uh, cheap shot, uh, on him earlier, you know, early in the game. Um, I thought that he might was going to be out. Uh, you know, he was slow getting back up, but just a complete blind, blind side. He was a defense, uh, defenseless player. Um, the tackle had been made. The play was over, and uh, and he was given uh, a cheap shot there that uh, it knocked him out. But uh, but uh, he got back up. He competed, continued to play well. At one point, I thought, you know, we just we should we should just take him out. He continued to rotate in, and it's like the uh, it's like the LSU game. Every time he would rotate out, and I and I would think, let's just let's just keep him off the field. When he would come back in, he'd make a play, and so. Um, you know, dudes, all right, is is sort of messaging that uh, that I was able to take from that um, mini game ball. I'm going to give it to two guys here. And um, and and these are two of two of my, um, 
you know, favorite, uh, favorite defenders, uh, you know, Deontay Thompson and Xavier McKinney, you know, both of those guys making plays all over the field, um, you know, safeties that are very comfortable to come up and run support helped us against uh, an opponent like this. And I went back and watched the, um, the fumble play and, and ironically it was Xavier and Deontay both sort of right there and the ball came out and Anthony Jennings picked it up. And I've seen that play. I watched that play again and again and again and again, trying to determine which of the two defenders knocked out the ball. And every article you read uh, and, and some of the highlight uh, you know, clips that you see, they all, they all point to Deontay Thompson. And I can see the play from an angle where I agree that's got to be Deontay Thompson. Um, there's another angle that during the game, not just the highlight package, but uh, when they when they showed the play from multiple angles, CBS did uh, or SEC Network, uh, you know, from the game, there 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 were at least one angle, maybe two angles, that to me it looked very clearly like Xavier McKinnon knocked the ball out, and so. I'm not exactly sure which one of them did, so I'm kind of giving them both uh, the mini game ball. They both were exerting, uh, you know, significant effort. In fact, there was an angle where it looked like it may have been the hip of one of the other uh, offensive players. I don't think that was true, but uh, it was uh, it was Deontay or Xavier. I can't tell, but uh, they both, um, you know, Xavier was being sort of head in, head up blocked, and so my original thought it clearly was not him. But then you could see his arms, and not just one arm but both arms sort of reaching out. Um, and that's why I think maybe uh, McKinney got uh, got that, that strip. But uh, in any case, uh, they both played well all day long. Uh, they both were active on that play, representation of, of heads up, uh, never say die uh, type of effort. And that turnover and subsequent touchdown, um, I think we had just scored uh, an offensive touchdown. So I think we put 14 points on the board um, in about a 20-second span, which is what we needed. That's, that's exactly what uh, Alabama needed. I was sitting there sort of rocking back and forth on my couch saying, we need a 21-point play because this is, you know, we're not doing what we need to do here. And the fact that we got back-to-back touchdowns um, is really what uh, I, I think this sort of the psyche of the team needed. And then from there, you know, it was um, – you know, that's that was sort of the margin of victory. That's what we needed. Um, so there we go on defense. Uh, special teams. Uh, talk a little bit about special teams. Look, I'm going to say this about special teams. You reach a point in the season, and this is true of offense. It's true of defense as well. Um, you reach a point in the season where you kind of you are what you are. Uh, early in the season, if you listen to even just our podcast, there's a subtle sort of, you know, shift where at the beginning of the season, we're talking about the promise of players. Um and, you know, who's going to do what and in what roles and what capacities and and what are all sort of the the bells and whistles that, that this team has. And then you, we sort of evolve into players, um, you know, progressing and roles sort of shifting and developing. But it's less discovery uh, on a broad scale and it's more sort of incremental uh, development and progress. And then and then you sort of reach a point where you kind of you are what you are and you can just talk a little bit about what you see, but there's not a whole lot to add to it because, you know, this is what we are. Um, special teams is, you know, that's kind of what we are uh, on, on special teams, especially the kicking game. We're not good. Um, you know, there's no sort of hope that, you know, we're going to get better. We're going to, you know, we might, we might, we might have a big kick, you know, Mike Bernier might hit a 55, uh, you know, a 45 yarder and that would be great. 
Uh, like last week, we might hit a 49-yard uh, field goal, and that would be great. But we can't count on that. We can't count on that happening time after time. We do, we're not, um, you know, J.K. Scott last year where uh, anytime we got sort of backed up in the last several years, anytime we got kind of backed up, he's going to hit, you know, a 48-yarder and put us in good position, and I've got a high degree of confidence that that's going to happen. We're not like, uh, you know, imagine how Georgia must feel with uh, Hot Rod, their kicker. You know, anything inside of 50 yards, um, they have a high degree of confidence that he's going to make it. And you get out to maybe 55 yards, 55-yard kick, and you're still going to have some confidence that, that uh, you know, dude's going to make it. I don't know at what level, at what distance I have full confidence that we're going to make it. Uh, you know, Bolivis uh, had one field goal for 23 yards. You'd think that would be a safe distance, but, you know, he was four of six on PATs, which is a shorter distance. Um, you know, we actually went back to Austin Jones for a PAT, and, and he made it. And so, you know, we are what they are there. And so what we need to do, uh, the team needs to do, is ensure that we're not – uh, relying on a kick because um, we don't know if we're going to make it. And then, you know, Miller Forstall possessed the ball, man. <laughs> you know, you're not going to run it back for a touchdown. You're not going to, you know, the three yards you gain, um, it's not worth it. Uh, it's not worth it. Just catch the ball, possess the ball, go down. They're already doing sort of the squib kick with the intention of, Someone filled in the ball who does not usually fill the ball. A blocker, an up back, a blocker who's someone who's on the field for kickoffs for the, the purpose of their blocking. <clears throat> They're purposely kicking the ball to you, thinking that you are a turnover opportunity. Um, so don't play into their hand. Catch the ball, catch it clean, go down. Let's possess the ball at the 35 yard line and, uh, and, and be uh, super, super pleased with that. Um, I'll add this. This is a little nugget. Uh, Miller Forrestal um, is sort of a, a in, in my mind, this, this is a little trivia that I've been sort of running around with. The um, and Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback at uh, Clemson, who's their true freshman quarterback. There's sort of been lighting it up. Everyone, you know, phenom, da, 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 da. Um, Trevor Lawrence, when he was in high school in Cartersville, Georgia, he, as, uh, as an underclassman, took over the starting quarterback position, and the incumbent uh, quarterback changed positions and continued, uh, continued to play. Well, it turns out Miller Forstall was the incumbent quarterback that Trevor Lawrence knocked out of his position. So Miller Forstall moved to tight end uh, on his high school team and was such an athlete, is such an athlete, that he was able to perform well at the tight end position, not just that he could go play tight end at college at just any college, but he was recruited by Alabama to come and play tight end at Alabama. So that's a neat little piece of uh, trivia nugget there. And um, so you can wow and amaze your friends uh, with that. I know I certainly have been doing that. Uh, looking ahead to next week's games, uh, next week's game, uh, you know, the Plains, Plainsman Eagle Tigers of West Georgia uh, come to town. And, um, you know, this, this is one of those, this is one of those games and, and, you know, I was going to say on paper, but I guess it depends on which side of the, the paper you look at, uh, you know, on one side of the paper, um, Alabama should have no, um, you know, limited competition, uh, with Auburn. If you look at where they rank, uh, offense and where they rank defense and their 
passing yards and their rushing yards and what they give up. Um, you know, we are ranked, Alabama is ranked significantly uh, uh, better, higher than uh, um, than Auburn in any any stat that you could, nearly any stat that you would want to, to look up. And you could say, well, you know, it shouldn't be a, a close game. There's also sort of, you know, the other side of the paper that says, hey, this team has enough tools and enough weapons and enough types of tools and weapons that they could give uh, Alabama fits. Uh, They've got a quarterback and his numbers aren't spectacular. But if you look at who he is and what he has done over uh, over his career, he can attack the full field. He can attack downfield. He can attack. uh, He can attack, you know, outside. Um, you know, we've played three weeks in a row, Citadel, a team who only passed the ball twice. And then, you know, we played Joe Burrow and uh, Nick Fitzgerald, uh, the two the two worst quarterbacks in the SEC, uh, you know, ranked 13th and 14th respectively. So we're three weeks in a row playing a team that, you know, has a butter knife at, at the quarterback position. And I think uh, I think I think Stidham. Is, is something more than that. He's been off this year. You could call it the offense. You could call it him. You could call it a lot of different things. But if he plays to his top level potential, uh, then or the you know the top quarter of his potential, then he can attack down the field. He is a dangerous weapon. So he's someone that we need to take into account. Uh, they've got talented, uh, skilled players. Auburn seems to always have talented, skilled players. Um, not it, not as talented as prior years, and their running game this year is not as sort of vaunted as it has been in, in prior years. Uh, but they do have talent there. That uh, uh, the Booby Kid uh, is a is a talented is a talented runner, and so I think they've got uh, talent there where they can mix and match and 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 be very balanced uh, in their attack uh, offensively, and then their their starting defensive line. I think their defense has sort of run down as the season has gone on, uh, but they do have a, a tough front seven, and uh, and some of their back end players are are pretty good as well. They're not Auburn, or I'm sorry, they're not LSU level good, but uh, but they're not bad either. So um, I think there's I think that is a team that I, th- I think they present as a team that that uh, that we do need to be careful of. And then the whole rivalry thing throughout the records and all that, I'm not sure how much of that I, I, I truly do buy into, but I do think there's an amped up. Uh, I do think Auburn, um, you know, looks at Alabama. Uh, I've heard that they spend time every week in practice and they've got beat Bama, you know, plastered all over. Uh, and so I, and you hear Auburn fans say, if, you know, we'd be happy if we won one game a year. I'm not sure they, I'm not sure that's true, but they, they have sort of this psychology sort of weird persona of how this is the only game that matters, and, and they they live that. And so they're going to have a little more for us. And uh, I, sometimes I think they'd rather hide some of their uh, some of their plays and lose three games so they could surprise us with those plays, uh, you know, in, in our game. I don't know why. I don't know why, but uh, that's just sort of the the vision I have for for those guys. But um, at any rate, I think I think this is going to be a competitive game. And if we had a repeat of 10-10 at half, I would not be surprised. Uh, I do think the depth 
of Alabama sort of uh, it becomes the margin and so or the differential. And so I'm looking more of a 34 or 17 type uh, ball game. I don't think we I don't think we cross 40. I would love to. I'd love to cross 50 or 60. But um, and I think they score some points on us. I think they uh, I, I think they pull off a couple of big plays. But I think the defense, similar to Citadel, the defense settles in and sort of starts to choke them out. But uh, I think they do hit a couple of uh, big gainers. And so 34-17 is, is kind of what I'm looking for um, on that one. So, hey, that sort of wraps up this week's show. Uh, probably a little longer than, uh, than, than I thought I would go by myself. But I definitely appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. Continue, continue to appreciate the, uh, the comments that we get on the iTunes. Uh, we got a couple more uh, comments uh, very recently, uh, five-star reviews and comments. And we'll get the get to those in a subsequent show. Uh, we've got a handful of additional emails uh, that have come in, and uh, we greatly appreciate that. So uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Definitely listen to us, uh, you know, on the iTunes. Leave us a review there. Drop us an email. We'll try to respond and and uh, participate with everyone. And uh, with that, we wish everyone a phenomenal, safe Thanksgiving uh, with friends and family. And uh, certainly a big win this coming Saturday in the Iron Bowl. With that, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the Tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.